You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Israel, the most privileged people religiously, the most privileged people spiritually, but they've heard it, they've heard it, they know it, and yet they missed it. You know the hardest people to reach for Christ are religious people. You know the hardest people to get really saved are church-going people. That's what the text says. Fascinating when you look at the record. It's absolutely fascinating. The Jews were God's chosen people, called to share Him with the world. Instead, they viewed themselves as elite or special. They didn't need Jesus because they were His chosen. However, as Pastor Danny explains today, their religious heritage wasn't able to save them, and their pride didn't allow them to see the real salvation that God was offering through Jesus. Jesus came for those who recognized their desperate need and would believe in Him. He went out of His way to share this good news with the desperate. Will you? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 10 as he continues his message, The Christian Commission. people in your world that'll never be in my world. Can you invite them to church? Absolutely. Should you invite them to church? Of course. But you don't have to wait for me to preach at them. You can tell them. Now, back in Romans 10, we're not done. How's anyone going to preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But verse 16, not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I'll make you envious by those who are not a nation. Now pause there and let me tell you what he's talking about. I'm going to give it to you in the whole context of this last part of the chapter, but he's talking about God making someone envious, Israel envious, because he's going to save peoples that aren't Israel, nations that aren't Israel, and he's going to save them in such a way that it's going to make them envious, and it's actually going to make them angry. I'll tell you one example, and then we'll read the rest of it, and you'll see what I mean. Matthew tells us that Pilate, the governor, when he stood before Jesus, or Jesus stood before him, and the Jews had turned Jesus over, he knew it was out of envy that they had handed him over. And this verse says, that's what's going to happen. I'll make you envious by those who are not a nation. Why were they envious of Jesus? Because he had a big following. 
And you know who the following consisted of? It wasn't the religious people. It wasn't the religious leaders. They're the ones that rejected him. They're the ones that turned him over. Who was it? It was the prostitutes and the drug addicts and the tax collectors that were just working for the Roman government for money and were outcast in their own culture. It wasn't the people attending synagogue every week. They were everybody else. So the religious world said, hey, they deserve hell. Those are the people. Those are the people that became Jesus' followers. I'll make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. We'll come back to that one in a minute. You'll see that clearly. In Isaiah, he boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. He's talking about people. They weren't coming to church. They weren't looking for Christ. They weren't seeking God. All of a sudden, a messenger showed up, told them, and if they just simply believed, uh, they'd be saved. And they believed, and they were saved. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I've held up my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. You know what I have in these last few verses? It's a picture very broadly of the types of fields of harvest, fields of potential harvest. And on the one hand, there's a great harvest. And on the other hand, there's a bunch of religious, calloused, hardened people. Israel, the most privileged people religiously, the most privileged people spiritually, but they've heard it, they've heard it, they know it, and yet they missed it. You know the hardest people to reach for Christ are religious people. You know the hardest people to get really saved are church-going people. That's what the text says. Fascinating when you look at the record. It's absolutely fascinating. The story of Jonah, for example, you talk about making them angry by a nation that has no understanding. God calls a man named Jonah. Jonah, once you go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites that they need to repent. If you know the story of Jonah, when God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, you know what he does? He goes, he gets on a boat, and he heads the opposite direction. He's running from his call from God. He's running. He's right. He's going the opposite direction. Why? Why wouldn't Jonah go? Why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? One of the names in the Bible connected with ancient Nineveh is a guy named Sennacherib. He, if you read the Old Testament, he was one of the kings of ancient Assyria. Nineveh was the capital of ancient Syria. Assyria. Still today, they are enemies of Israel. If you read the record in history, if you read the record in history, in Nahum chapter 3 and Nahum verse 1 chapter 3 and also verse 9, God talks about the Ninevites and he blasts the Ninevites. Why? Because they were brutal. They were so wicked. Not only immoral, not only immoral, they were notorious for amputating the hands and the feet of their captives. They wanted to watch them suffer like nobody else suffered. And they would laugh. They would mock them as they victimize them. They would gouge out their eyes. I'm telling you the record of history. On some occasions, they would take the skin off of an enemy 
and impale them publicly. They were notoriously known for torturing their enemies' children in front of the parents' eyes. It's a record of history. It gives you a little better understanding of why when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites, why Jonah did not want to go. If anybody deserved hell, the Ninevites deserved hell. And God sent the most unlikely, unwilling messenger. The only reason he ended up going is because he ended up three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. The fish got sick of him, spit him up on the land, and Jonah decided, well, I better go before something worse happens to me, so I'll go do what God tell me to do. And he goes. And you can imagine Jonah going through the streets of Nineveh. He's not going through there excited about it. He's going through, God sent me here. And, you know, I don't know if he said, I don't want to be here, you know, but God sent me here and he said, you repent. And if you don't repent, you're going to be damned. And he probably went, I don't know if he went, was that loud. Well, God, God sent me here. Can you hear me? Good. You can't hear me. And he wasn't excited about being there. He didn't want him. He didn't want him to hear the message because he knew that they might, might actually repent and God would forgive them. And that's exactly what happened. And if you read the story of Jonah, he goes off in a pity party and God has to deal with him and his attitude because of God's mercy toward his bitter enemies. Now you contrast that with the most privileged people spiritually and the most privileged people on the planet religiously, the Israelites. Nobody has had the revelation of God and communication from God as clearly, as repeatedly as the people of Israel. And for them, because they're God's choice, not because he doesn't love the world, but he chose a people to reveal himself to with the intention that he'd reveal himself to the world through them. And so for them, he doesn't send a Jonah. He sends Jesus. He sends his one and only son. He sent the most perfect human being. He sent the most perfect messenger. He sent the perfect guy. And they crucified him. I put in my notes, <laughs> if you have the opportunity, go fishing for Jesus where the fish are biting. Because the toughest place to reach people is the religious crowd. The toughest place to reach people is the church. It's my prayer. It's my earnest desire. And I don't want to just preach it. I want to do it. I'm starting to get so busy now in the new ministry that I'm having, a, I'm having a challenge. I'm having a challenge. But God, help me. I don't want to just stand here and preach. I want to go out. I want to go where, I want to go where people are biting wouldn't it be wonderful and for the next couple of years? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all these open chairs were filled with new converts, the former prostitutes right around the corner, the people that are homeless, the people that, the people that aren't looking for God? The religious world would be envious of us as a church, just like they were of Jesus. I just get Jesus bumps when I think about the stories in the Bible of people coming to salvation, especially New Testament. 
For example, I love the story in Luke chapter 19, a man named Zacchaeus. Years ago, I got an image in my mind because it says he was a short man. He's a chief tax collector. That means he's an outcast of his own Jewish brothers and sisters because he's working for the Romans just for money. He's a short man, chief tax collector. And I got the image in my mind. He looked like the actor Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, a little short guy. Every time I think of Zacchaeus, I think of Danny DeVito. And he lived in Jericho. Jesus is coming through Jericho and he hears about it. And so he wants to, he wants to get a look at Jesus. He's just curious. He's not a synagogue attender. He's not looking to be saved. You know, he's just, he just curious. He hears a lot about this guy, Jesus. And so he climbs up a sycamore fig tree to get a look at Jesus. And Jesus comes walking through Jericho. And boy, was Zacchaeus shocked when Jesus gets closer and closer and closer. And next thing you know, he's right there with Zacchaeus. He's up the tree and Jesus comes and he trees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down from there. I got to go to your house. Zacchaeus scurries down. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. And somewhere in the conversation there at the house that day, Zacchaeus' heart has changed. And he believes in Jesus and he receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. He says, Lord, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay him back four times. That's what the law required. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. This man has become a child of Abraham. Don't you love that story? You can't ever forget John chapter 4. John chapter 4, good Jews would not go through Samaria because Jews didn't have dealings with Samaritans because they were half-breeds. But John 4 starts out this way. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Because there's a woman there. We call her the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. She comes to the well at noon. That's not when most people came to the well. They came in the morning. Why is she coming at noon? Because of her reputation. She's lost a lot of friends. Why? She's been married five times. Five guys. Five times she's been married. And the guy she's with now, she's not married to. She's been looking for love in all the wrong places. And she's surprised. Jesus asked her for a drink. She says, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You you, you asked me for a drink. And Jesus says, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you'd ask him for a drink and he would give you living water and you would never thirst again. And during that conversation, she tasted of the living water that changed her life forevermore. Don't you like it, Jesus? Jesus had to go out of his way. He crossed racial lines. He crossed geographical lines. He crossed the routine of life lines. He went out of his way because there's one woman needed to hear the message of life. I want to give you in closing some practical thoughts on obeying the Great Commission. This is not the primary place for evangelism. Do I share Christ in the church service? Yes. Do I see people get saved in the church service? I have often over the years. But it's not the primary place for evangelism. Primary place for evangelism out there. And the greatest people God's called to reach people is you, me, all of us, every one of us. Not just me as the pastor of the church or the preacher. But we need renewed zeal. Years ago, I lost mine. I'd get on a plane when I was traveling. I'd be going to a pastor's conference and I'd be on a plane and, and, and I would... I would I would be like in my mind, Lord, don't open the door for me to share with anybody. I just want to be left alone. That's just being honest. 
I lost my passion for personal evangelism. But I got it back. And I, oh, I got it back with a passion. Everybody, including Danny Hodges, everybody has to overcome fear in sharing Christ with somebody. Don't you think you're different than anybody else? Everybody is fearful. You got to overcome the fear. You don't have to remove the fear. You just have to walk through the fear. Everybody knows what it is to be afraid when you have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody because you don't know what the response is going to be. I know what the butterflies feel like even today when I'm on a plane or somewhere and there's an open door to share Christ. So how do I share? Just tell them how you got saved. Tell them when you came to know Jesus. So I don't know when I came to know Jesus. Well, maybe you need to receive Jesus today. If you don't know when you've prayed and asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, if you don't have a time in your life, you can remember. You might not remember the day, you might not remember the exact moment, but if you don't know a time when you've actually repented and received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you better settle that today. But don't just stop there. Prepare to go beyond your testimony. There are times you need to share some scripture with them. What's called the Romans Road is a great group of scriptures. Some people add more scriptures to it. I'm just giving you the, the, the basics of the Romans Road. But these are great scriptures. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. God loved us even though we were still sinners. Romans 5, 8. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10. If you believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. You'll be saved. Your daily devotional life. So many Christians, or at least people who claim to be Christians, don't have a time when they daily get into the Bible. I don't understand that. If you're really born again, you ought to crave. You ought to crave God's Word. And it'll help develop you. So you'll be more prepared to help people with their questions. You can go beyond just your testimony at times. You can research resources. There are tremendous resources in our day. Years ago, I'm standing outside the old church in between services. Guy comes up, introduces himself, says, I'm here with my wife. She's parking the car. There's a good marriage. She's parking the car. And uh, he says, my wife listens to your radio program. That's how we came to this church. She listens to your radio. That's when we were on five days a week on uh, local radio. And she loves your radio program. And she's become a Christian through your radio program. I'm like, that's great. He goes, but I'm an atheist. He said, but I love my wife, and she loves you, and she loves your ministry, and this is our anniversary. Would you take a picture with us? And I said, sure. So the wife comes up, and we all take a picture together. And I got in a little more conversation, had a little more time about his atheist beliefs. And long story made short, I said, if I give you a book, would you read it? He said, I would. I went in our bookstore. I got a book that I had read not long before that we'd end up putting in the bookstore. It's called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It's a great book for atheists. And I went and I got the book and I gave it and I said, would, would you read this book? And he said, I will. He came back after he read the book, he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. There are resources there are books on how to reach a Muslim, you know, for example. 
And you can understand the Muslim mindset. Understand, though, you don't have to know everything, but still, you don't have to stay ignorant at the same time. You can go beyond just your testimony. Then there's marketplace evangelism. What is that? When we rent the Mahaffey Theater, that's a great opportunity for marketplace evangelism. I personally, I don't like... I think it was last Christmas, on a lot of the street corners, there were preachers out there with megaphones shouting in people's ear. I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to recommend that people that I pastor do that. Now, if that's what you're going to do, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. But it says that Jesus came, and he won't, you won't hear his voice in the streets. He won't quarrel or cry out. That doesn't mean he doesn't preach publicly. But he's not taking a megahorn and saying, you're going to hell. That'll get you a lot of followers, let me tell you. I don't know if you're going to do something, do something like, you know, have a band or something, play, and then, and then talk and, and share Christ, but give people the willingness to come or the willingness to walk away. Don't badger them with Jesus, you know. Don't try to shove him down their throats. I, that's not what God's like. But when we rent the Mahaffey Theater, that's a great opportunity. That's not only an opportunity for us now as Calvary Chapel Fellowship this next Easter to have one service all together. It's also an opportunity for you to invite someone that might come to Mahaffey Theater that won't come to a church service. And at that Mahaffey Theater service, we're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not an excuse for you not to share with them, but it still is a great opportunity to invite someone. Marketplace evangelism. And then there's lifestyle evangelism. You know what? Some of you right now, you can't really share honestly and openly because your life is not reflective of being a follower of Jesus Christ. You have sin in your life. I'm amazed in the church at how many people are living together as husband and wife that are not husband and wife. Shame on you. Absolute shame on you. You need to repent today. You say, where will I go? You can camp in my backyard separate. It's an absolute excuse. People say, oh, we financially, we can't afford it. How'd you afford it before? Church needs to repent of sexual sin. You know, David lost his witness, King David. He lost his witness with his sin with Bathsheba, and he writes about it in the Psalm after he repented. And some of us need to repent. We don't have anything that people will listen to because our life is no different than them. You need to repent. And live a life that's reflective of truth and purity and morality. And if you do, guess what? Titus says we ought to live in such a way as to make our lives attractive, the message attractive. People ought to be able to look and go, something different about you. What do you have that I don't have? And then we don't have time to talk about it, but there's planting and watering and then harvest. Sometimes you'll share with somebody and you just plant a seed. Somebody else comes along later and they water the seed. And eventually, maybe that person comes to know Christ. So don't be discouraged when they don't pray to receive Christ. You're still being used to plant a seed or to water a seed that's already been planted by somebody else. And don't forget, finally, the gospel is an offense. It's not meant to be offensive. But Jesus said, I've come not to bring peace, but a sword. I'll divide families because some people that have received Christ end up being divided with their own family members because of their commitment to Christ. Just this reality. Every single one of us are called to be ambassadors for the King of Kings. 
and the Lord of Lords. We have the privilege of sharing the only message that'll save somebody's soul. The only message that'll save somebody's soul. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You're welcome to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest messages and videos from Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. But if you're unable to visit us in person, no worries. We also offer live stream services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series in the Book of Romans, our prayer is that you're finding a newfound appreciation for who Jesus is and how your life should reflect Him. Throughout the book of Romans, we read about the faith that Paul had in Jesus and how he didn't back down from his beliefs. Likewise, we encourage you to stand firm in your faith. The goal of this ministry is teaching the Word and reaching the world. We trust that the living Word is speaking to many and pray that lives would be changed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear Pastor Danny continue to teach through the book of Romans right here on The Living Word.